What's up, everybody? This is Jay Floyd, a.k.a. Big Bro, man. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Big Bro Podcast. Listen, this one is a special one, man. I've been wanting to get back to doing interviews. Um, I get a lot of great feedback when I do interviews, especially, you know, with the style that I do them where you get a chance to um, really see basically a person's entire life story. So uh, I got a good one for y'all today. Um, I want to be interviewing Crazy 8 the Great, man. He's a uh, dope uh, MC out of Cleveland, Ohio, man. My man is is holding it down. Um, I got a chance to meet him a little while back. While we don't know each other too well, it was really dope. Uh, really getting to know this dude, you know, and that's what this show is all about. I really like this show. You know, what, is, what does it look like for two people to really just get to know each other, for people to relate? And, um, you know, let me talk to some artists, some people that got something going on and see exactly what triggered them to have that going on. What got them started? What made them who they are? What makes them who they are? You know, this one is especially um, interesting because, you know, I really, you know, his style has a lot of anime influence, you know, and that's something that's it's always on my mind, man, like that, that connection between the uh, the black community and the Asian community through martial arts and uh, Asian culture, like anime, um, the cartoons, the movies, you know, just that entire thing. You know, ever since I was a little kid, it just kind of intrigued me. You know, what I mean, I grew up, you know, in the 80s, you know, out here in Cleveland, man, you know, there was a big influence of that. Everybody had like an uncle or a big brother or some cousins that was, you know, had had the, the, the weight benches set up in the basement with the nunchucks and uh, even if they were like homemade nunchucks, you know what I mean? And, and you know, the Kung Fu movies, you know, it was, it was big, you know. And then, you know, as we started growing up in, into the 80s, you know, a lot of the, you know, Voltron, Battle of the Planets, um, you know what I mean? The, the, uh, all of that, you know, and that Asian culture influenced in, directly into our our culture was fused. So, you know, I really went back and started doing some research and um, because it's something I've always wanted to really dig into and see that connection. And, and I had a feeling that it went back to the generation previous to me. You know what I mean? And it does. It goes back to the black GIs who came, who served in Korea and Vietnam. And when they came home, they brought that affinity for that that culture. You know what I mean? And that 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 affinity for martial arts. Um, and, and it kind of blended right into the hood because, you know, just like we talked about last on our last episode, you know, in the hood, there's a real big, uh, priority on getting some currency, something you can have to fend off, uh, predators to, to defend yourself and to try to get a little cash slash cachet going on in the hood. And, um, you know, for a lot of little seven, eight, nine 10 year old black boys and girls but specifically boys and it's really big and really prevalent it was uh you know martial arts you know getting into that you know taking your shirt off wearing some some karate pants and some ninja shoes and swinging a uh swinging a uh some nunchucks and and wanting you know ninja stars and so you know i really wanted to touch on that and because crazy eight the great you know his style fuses is to me is a perfect fusion of uh of anime and asian culture with hip-hop culture specifically you know midwestern hip-hop culture you know and he'll talk about 
his Midwestern influences. I think y'all are really going to dig this one. So, um, yeah, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy this interview. Me interviewing my man, Crazy 8, the great. That's what's up. So, yo, welcome welcome to the uh, the Big Bro Podcast, man. This is another episode. And like I said on the intro, I have a great guest here with me today. My man, Crazy 8, the great. What's going yeah. on, bro? How you living, man? I'm fantastic, man. I'm um I'm, I'm having fun again. I like that. You know, I found that, you know, art always it just hit different when you're having fun doing it, man. It, right. It's just different, man. And the audience feels it, you know. They'll they'll get oh, yeah. that. You know. So I gotta say, man, going I want I wanted to go do my homework. You know what I'm saying? I, I knew about you, I've met you. Um right. Um, but I wanted to go do my homework, you know, so I went back and listened to your music, man, to really get into the vibe, man. And listen, I'm a fan, bro. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> For real, man. You're skilled, man. You have a sound, you know, and you're confident in that sound. And I like that. You know, you real, you is it's, it's extremely professional. It's extremely high quality. I mean, it is on par, if not superior to a lot of what gets played in this mainstream out here. I mean, it's really high quality music, man. And I love that. You don't cut Thank you, you. you don't cut those corners, man. Oh yeah, no, man. Like <laughs> you you know how much flack we catch as as up and coming slash underground artists for not um operating at the capacities that are uh that outside people would call our superiors when that's not the truth. Yeah. So um, you have to be a, a student of, of everything, not just, you know, what's popping, but what soundscapes to incorporate that will give you the best quality that, you know, listeners want to hear. So, you know, shout yeah. out to us for doing the hard work that don't nobody give us credit for. <laughs> That's dope, man. So I really want to I want to introduce the audience to a little bit of who you are, man. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So let's let's dig into Crazy Eight, man. Where where were you born, man? Where are you from? Um, born and raised Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, um, Ohio. It's you know that's that's where the roots is. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to home. So so we talking Crazy Eight coming up. We talking '90s. We talking like you know this is you coming up in the 2000s when you coming up here. Um, I was born in '89, so I came up in the '90s. All right, so. We got Crazy A coming up in Cleveland, Ohio, man. The Midwest, a lot of people that may not know exactly what's going on in Cleveland, but Cleveland is a very unique place. You know what I'm saying? There's really there's really nothing else like it. You know, you can't really lump us with anybody. It's a very right. unique place. So so kind of tell me like, you know, your family structure. Did you have, you know, mom and dad in the house? What was what was it like, man? Uh, mom and dad divorced when I was two years old. So I, you know, I did the whole uh, single mom lifestyle with uh, visitation and and um, cut like you know weekend custody. Yeah. Um, with, with with pops and things like that. Um, sometimes we go for whole like summer vacations with pops and shit like that. Because um, pop I got pop got remarried when I was five, so that introduced me to you know a whole new aspect of family which is uh blended families yeah um, so 
um, I would always ask my mom, like, I wanted a brother or sister, and then Pop went to get married and gave me three brothers. So, you know, that was dope. Um, it was challenging, but it was dope at the same time because I was no longer by myself. It just, you had to grow into, um, you had to grow into the dynamic and try to figure out, like, you know, where you fit amongst your siblings now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they they grew up together. <laughs> you're you're an addition to their life as they are to yours. So, you know, you gotta gotta figure it out. So me and my little brother, uh, who are the we're the closest out of all my brothers, because um, he's six months younger than me. Mm. Um so we were mortal enemies at first. <laughs> and they became <laughs> uh, they became the best of friends and, you know, brothers to the to the death of me, you know what I'm saying? So it's like even though um, their mom and my dad is now divorced. Those will forever be my brothers. Man, that is that's something deep, man. Especially when you got that age that's that close, right? You know. So, but it ended up being a good thing. Y'all were able to work through that, you know. Yeah, it was tough though, man. I'm talking about we we talking about bloody fist fights in parking lots of Golden Corral. Like that's, mm. how, that's how. So we talking about all the way grimy. Yeah, like we we had to work out some things because we were both trying to fight for. <laughs> um, that Y'all looking spot. for that spot? Y'all want that? You know what what, what, what my man Luda say? Coming for that number one spot, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, and because we were a lot alike um, in in certain aspects, and then it was like as we was growing up. Um, one thing though is like my dad never made my brothers feel like they weren't his blood, right? Yeah. Um, however, I was I was always more advanced and more well mannered sometimes in school situations than my little brother was. Mm-hmm. And my father my father would reward me for the good that I've done, but like every time my brother would get like reprimanded, he feels some type of way like you always giving him the good shit. He was like, but he hurt me, <laughs> you know. What yeah. I'm saying? So that that always put us at a at a, at a, at a crazy place. Um, but what my brother never realized a long time ago, like I was getting bullied and he wasn't. Mm. So I always loved how my little brother was like ready to fight at any given moment. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like shit, fighting him made me tougher. And yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like to this day, all my brothers were known for, as fighters and I was the one that wasn't <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So looking up to all of them, even my little brother, for that type of strength or whatever like he would keep certain things in mind like you get into a fight my older brother would be like if you lose I'm whooping your ass like yeah so it's like dang man I can't even lose this fight because I gotta fight you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying so it's amazing it's like, man how that yeah. dynamic plays out with boys it's so tough in boys man you know right. I can remember growing when I was like that in that age and my mom told me you gonna have to fight Mm-hmm. And, I, and I remember I was not a fighter. My brother was. My big brother was. So I was like, but why do I have to? Mm-hmm. And she was like, you just got to. It's just one of the parts of life. People going to step to you and you're going to have to fight. I and wish that, I had that talk with my mom. My yeah. mom. My mom raised me the same way she was. Like, my mom was all mouth and no hands. Mm. <laughs> like, you know like, like, let my auntie tell it. You know what I'm saying? She would have to come to my mom's defense all the time because my mom had all the yap and none of the scrap, man. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so getting introduced to my brothers at five, 
I had all the yap and no scrap, and they had all the scrap, and they didn't really talk at all. <laughs> like, uh-huh. It was the it was the complete opposite. So it was like super culture shock, real quick. You know what I'm saying? So it was like a lot of the bully situations I went in at first, opening up, like you know, in the beginning of it of my bullying phase, which really spanned from second grade to damn near senior year of high school. Um, wow. I had fight in me because I came up with my brothers. However, the bullying aspect took away my power. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely, they whittled away at my self-confidence. You know what I'm saying? To the point where I felt I had none and I was always at the mercy of somebody else. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So I wish, like, the fight was instilled in me, like, through parentage. You know what I'm saying? And not having to figure it out through siblings and friends and, and situations. Cause it took way too long for me to get my confidence back. That is a long time, man. I want to ask you, man. You know, during that phase, cause you said it started like second grade, yeah. and it continued all the way up until you know the end of high school. You know, at what point? And you know, one of my last uh, episodes, I talked about what I call social currency. Mm-hmm. You know, where we all look for some dollars to spend, right? You know, when right. you when everybody getting in in school, especially middle school. When everybody jockeying for position, you either gonna have your good looks or your personality or right. your, your physical dominance. Maybe you can fight or maybe you can play sports or, you know, girls, you know, maybe your body develops early. You start to get right. them, them things that give you some currency so you can, you know, buy your way out of the bullying situation, out of being outcast. What did you initially start to see or try as your currency? Like, what was you looking for? Um. All right, so I gotta bring you back to to second grade. So I was really popular amongst everyone at that time. Um, Of course, you know, at this time, you know, you go to school with people that you grew up with in the neighborhood. So being at school was like being back at home. We just had to be in class, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So I was fine. Everything was, you know what I'm saying? I pretty much had a lot lot going for me. It was promising. Um, Then we got two new students um yeah we got two new students and these guys turned out to be the the little terrorists (laughs) like yeah yeah so and it's like they had an agenda the moment that they walked in was like who run this shit real quick let's take them out it's almost always two dudes right yeah (laughs) it's always two (laughs) it was instant and it's like Oh, everybody likes him. Let's make him. Let's make his life a living there. Everybody loves him. Mm. And so it was like they they took your currency from you. Yeah, because I had it already. You know, what ah. I, mean? so I, I was already I was already good. I was good in my neighborhood. I was good at school. I was good everywhere. Like I said, I was a confident, defiant, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. really high spirited child. Um, and they probably saw that and wanted it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, oh, no, we can't have that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So over the course of time, and this seems so systematic, and maybe I'm over-processing it, maybe overthinking it a little bit, but this is how it played out from my perspective. They systematically turned all my friends against me, slowly but surely, even my best friends. And I'll get to mm-hmm. I'll get to the 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 climax of, of that 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 betrayal soon. But that my friends gone, then the physical shit started happening. 
Uh, well, actually, before the physical shit started happening, they started doing little things. Like, I remember uh, my mom had just bought me this really cool sweater. We were still wearing uh, school uniforms at this time. Um, well, actually, I don't even think that was implemented yet. But still, my mom bought me this, this sweater. I really liked it. And we went to gym, came back from gym. My sweater was gone. Somebody tells me, go check the boys' bathroom. Motherfucker is in the, in the, the, the toilet swimming in... And piss and water, <laughs> or Yikes. taking my sneakers out. You know what I'm saying? Out, out my, out my book bag and and playing keep away with them shits until somebody makes them stop. Like little. So this is this is professional level hazing. Yeah, yeah. At, in second grade, man. <laughs> Yikes. In second grade, and then the physical shit started happening. So where I was getting jumped and um. And what really starts to twist at you is that the friends that you thought you had are doing nothing to help you. Mm-hmm. And so now you look less as cool because you need help from friends <laughs> at this point. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So then I had a couple of really, really good best friends and they did nothing. And then the guy that like, you know what I'm saying? That was my, my, uh, your nemesis no my my partner in crime like the guy that's been by my side mm. since kindergarten they I guess they get to him to a point where they like if you don't do something to Miguel then we gonna do it to you it's about to be you too yeah and so he that's a classic pressure right. that's political style and basically he almost stabs me to death wow. in second grade from that moment, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then too, like, oh my God, like he had one of those smiles, right? You come into the schoolhouse, you see him, he got that big smile on his face with these big wide eyes. You know it's about to be a great day, right? He stabs me with that smile on his face. So wait a minute, wait a minute. Your your best friend, your best dude friend. that's been ride or die for you, smiles in your face. And stabs me. And then what did he stab you with? Like uh, number what, two what? pencil. I actually watched him sharpen it. We were getting ready to go. So we were getting ready to go. So a practice. second grader, yeah, second grader, sharpens a nut. Like this is almost like some prison tales here, yeah. right? This is like in the bank. My man sharpens up a pencil and stab, stabs you. How many times? Um, I want to say I want to count what four or five. I caught the last one, and it uh, the lead snapped off and was stuck into my hand. So that's what. So how did life. they? What was the what was the impetus of this? Like, how did they fully influence him to go that far, that, go that violent? That's a that's a mystery that I still will never know. Um, because, wow. like I said, uh, however they got to him, it happened. Um, they waited until we were getting ready to line up to go to the bathroom. So we go do that, we make our bathroom trip. Me and him, being the, the class clowns and the goof troops that we was, we was in the back of the line. Um, so the teacher and the teacher's aide, they go into the class because I mean, we do this enough to where they know like nothing really is gonna go down. Little do they know is that this was planned. <laughs> so, yeah, like, before we left to go to the bathroom, he's sharpening his pencil. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like you holding up the line, let's go, you know what I'm saying? So, we get back from the back, we come back, we at the end of the line, the teachers go in, the line is coming in, he stops like hard stops right in front of me. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? He turned around with this smile. So I'm sitting there like, he about to go tell me a joke or some shit. And the joke was on me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he turns around, 
jabs me down there on the screen a couple of times. Like, and before I could realize what's going on, I'm stabbed like three times. So, like, this is in the abdomen. Yeah. Like, real jailhouse shank style. So, do you think, so this is in second grade, like, so where is everybody's mentality at at this point? Like, do you think he had, like, the mind of a violent criminal or was he just doing something and it just ended up being something that a violent criminal would do? I think that the fear of them doing the shit that he's seen them doing to me um, gave him enough uh, complacency to carry this out. But I don't think that he knew the extent of what the act was doing to me and how heinous it was in, you know what I'm saying, in, in, in retrospect. So it's so I'm, so, so, so I'm assuming the injury was probably somewhat severe, right? Somewhat, yeah. I bled a lot for sure. Um, and I didn't even like, so I didn't even, the crazier part about it is I didn't even tell him. I said I fell on my but you. <laughs> so this is what I'm wondering. So you heal up. You keep going. Right. You proceed through school. Where is your mind frame at after that point? Um, it's it's like, really. Because I know you said there's still more years of yeah, of, of the bullying going more. after that. So I did like you know turn around. <laughs> I had this I had this hit list in my mind <laughs> of people on my list. <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, I was a real vengeful kid. I'll put it that way. Um, What's up, family? This is Jay Floyd, man, a.k.a. Big Bro. And thank y'all for listening to the Big Bro Podcast, man. Listen, while you're here, I want to shout out the company that I've been doing some business with, man, Greenwood Dist. Man, Greenwood Dist is a apparel company, man. They specialize in graphic tees. Man, they they, they got um, some really bold pro-black messages on their t-shirts man and they fit right along with my brand because anybody who has seen me speak who has seen me in public who's seen me perform my music they know that i like to have bold statements man i like to say it with my chest you know what i'm saying and greenwood dist is really dope man not only are they black owned but they're also named after the greenwood district in Tulsa, Oklahoma, man, and y'all, which is the the uh, the place where Black Wall Street once stood, man. So you know I'm all about knowing my history and talking about history and making sure that we know it and we're educated about it. So go and check out Greenwood Dist, man. Check out their shirts. You would love to rock those right now, man. This summer, this fall, rock those. And matter of fact, for for us listening, man, for anybody listening to this show, they said they will knock ten percent off for you for a lifetime, man. If you use the promo code Big Bro, B I G B R O, man. So go and check them out right now, man. And right now, let's, let's get back to the show, man. And so, did you act on any of that? I did. I did. Um, and I guess I felt justified at that point when I scratched some yeah. of these names off. Um, but it also put me in like the state of like paranoia that started, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it started to, to creep up and develop and fester over time. And then you would get to where um, people people made me anxious. Like I had anxiety mm-hmm. start to develop um, to a certain degree. So if it's a group of people that seem, um, I don't know, like I would get these, these 
aggressive vibes with people and it would instantly put me in a state of paranoia like I have to protect myself or something um and that shit is the worst and then I would get <laughs> in the situations like like let's fast forward to 6th grade 6th grade I get jumped the first day of sixth grade by people I have no idea because I was a sixth grader and the seventh graders felt like they was going to beat up whoever was in the hallway. Wow. I just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> so, so during, so you go from second to sixth grade, this is still going on. Are you in like a, is, are the schools you in violent? Yeah. Um. Well, when I got to, uh, when I got to Elliot, when I got to Elliot around that time, um, so this was kind of normalized around you. Yeah, like you of... heard stories about Elliot before you went to it. Like before Charles, like yeah, before you go to Charles Elliot, you would hear about it to the point where, like, yeah. when I found out I was going there, I told my mom, "Mom, I want to go to Elliot. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, this school is horrible, right?" And she's trying to figure out like why I'm so like terrified of going to this school that I've never gone to before and she like you better suck it up like there's no other school options for you like go ahead <laughs> so walk all right so so look so you walk in right yeah. all right give paint me a picture of what this looks like for you as a sixth grade how old are you 12 yeah 11? About, 12. about 12 like it, at that time for you well one we um we no longer uh we no longer lived in Warrensville because uh, we were in Warrensville first and we moved to Cleveland um, off 131st and Miles. So going to Charles Elliott, I was now not taking a bus anymore, but I was walking to school. So that was a big, you know, that, it was something I've gotten used mm-hmm. to um, because we moved when I was in, um, when I was going to the fifth grade is when we moved with my grandma. Um, so walking to school is something I'm accustomed to, but now I'm walking to an entirely new school from the elementary school. So the walk is longer. You get there, like I said, I'm already dreading going because of the stories I hear about it from like my older friends and things like that from the neighborhood. So mm-hmm. walk in, bigger hallways, bigger kids. Like it seemed like my generation and the generation like before me was like grown folks already. <laughs> like. You see people, mm-hmm. with, you see people, with little little mustaches <laughs> developing and shit. You're like, what? The fuck? <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. You got cast with the, the yeah. chest hairs growing out, a little taco meat, little taco like, meat coming what out. The yeah, the look like like giants. Like, what's going on here, right? Yeah. So, I'm already intimidated by that fact. It's like these grown men going to school here. Like, what's happening? So, um, you know, I. I, I get into I guess you know where they where they sort us out and send us to our home rooms and things like that or whatever so we do all that um and I want to say this has to be either before or after lunch where everybody that's in my grade is aware of this rumor that the seventh graders are trying to come like wreck shop for no reason and nobody told me about the shit <laughs> so I get so I'm in the hallway getting something or putting something up and literally I get chased and then cornered by like four or five guys and get stomped out in the fucking hallway by the steps. Wow. And yeah, like it was it was wild, man. And then um like my sixth grade, uh 
my sixth grade homeroom teacher, Mr. Parks, who was a godsend as a teacher at the time. Um, he kind of, I don't know if he saw potential or what his deal was, but he kind of fixated on me and helped propel me through a lot of the shit that I was going through. Like I, I, I was fortunate enough to have a teacher that did his job beyond um, what the curriculum says. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he, yeah. he, he was he was fantastic, man. And I was one of the, the brightest in the class and that's thanks to my grandmother. My grandmother is the reason why I was kind of ahead of my, my peers in school um, from what she taught me at home. So, I would get bullied on, but then they would try to be friends because I knew all the answers to the test. <laughs> hey, you know, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, just in talking to you and in seeing your music and your content, it's obvious that you are a person who brings a certain level of intelligence to what they do, right? So if you were that way back then, at what point are you finding something to cling to that that brings your confidence back did you feel like you had any of that between sixth grade um, and the end of um, high school yeah well approaching more toward the end of high school um i want to say my freshman year of high school although i was uh around it like hip-hop as far as my peers knowing it kind of you know was a a thing um in the neighborhood a little bit but I was too, I, I didn't have enough confidence to like rap in front of my friends or nothing like that. They would have cyphers and shit at the crib or we'd be on the porch and they'd be doing whatever. So the whole time I'm sitting there like, I could probably do that. I could probably do that, but I never would. Cause I'm like, these niggas gonna laugh at me. Like they gonna try to rank me. So what age is this? Um, what age is this? The hip hop first hit? Um, well, my, like my cousin is the reason why like, I even know hip hop to the extent is like, he introduced me to Eminem at like eight years old. So like the influence mm -hmm. is there. Like I've been listening to M for that long. Um, and then of course, you know, your Jay-Z's and, and everybody else, Ludacris, like a lot of shit like that was, was going around. So, you know, hip hop is around and shit. I like it, but doing it was was a, something entirely. So my friends, um, we had to be like, yeah, we had to be about 12. Oh, yeah, 12-ish, 11, 12, when they, like, you know, would be messing around and shit, and then maybe took it a little bit more serious. Um, well, they took it a little bit more serious to do it in front of people. Um, maybe, like, when we were, like, 13, 14. And um, so my freshman year of high school, I met this dude named Delante, and he claimed to, like, I'm a rapper. Like, that's the first time I've ever heard somebody be like, yo, I'm a rapper. <laughs> and so, I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, this is what yeah, I do. You know what yeah. Like, this is what I do or whatever. So, he always pinning rhymes and we became good friends. And so, I started pinning rhymes. I was always an honors writer in school, no matter what, what grade I was in. So, writing and then like making shit rhyme and shit, like, that was a new level of, um, uh, I don't know, like it just of enjoyment, being able to make these things. Wrong. I think it's, I think it's interesting to see how you know, like you said, you were always a person with right. the pen. You know, even through all of that, you had the pen, you had the knowledge, but then you needed that spark, right? right? So you got all the all the flammable objects in there, and then you meet this dude named Delante, right. 
and not necessarily him per se, but the way that he said, I'm a rapper. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? For him to hold that and carry that and show you what that looked like probably just ignited something for you that brought a lot of elements that you already had right. together. And so then we would we would just like talk about beats that we liked of different songs and shit like that or whatever. And then we would write rhymes to him, like not necessarily even hearing the beat. But we would have a beat in mind, we would be writing. So we would collaborate whole songs and shit. And it got to the point where like classmates would want to read our raps and be like, "Yo, cool, man, that shit is dope or whatever. And it's like, they just reading them. We not even rapping them out loud. Cause at that point I still- So wait a minute, y'all got a whole new genre <laughs> of, of lyric reading of him. <laughs> Y'all selling lyric sheets yeah, up in this piece, man. It's like, Miguel and Delante, they 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 on to something, right? So that was my first taste of being a rapper, quote unquote. So the next year, my life elevates a bit. Um, still not, I think Delante ended up going to another school because he wasn't around um, as much um, in the next year, like 10th grade. So. I was in my biology class, and at this time, like writing rhymes became like a part of my personal routine. So anytime mm-hmm. I would think of rhymes and whatever, or I got a beat in mind, I would just write them down. So I'm in my biology class, <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm passing out papers for the teacher or something like that. So I come across this dude named Dre, and which is super ironic that M is my favorite rapper and. <laughs> yeah so anyway I'll come back to it I'll come back to it so um, I go to Dre's desk oh well at this time I think we were sitting at tables we weren't even in individual desk so along his table he was kind of like the only person there so I'm passing his his, uh, his sheet but I I see him writing something that looked like how I wrote um, my lyrics at the time like with the title at the top of the page and shit like that or whatever so it just it caught my eye so I'm like yo what you doing, man? He like, oh, I'm just writing this song or whatever, right? So I was like, yo, I do that too. <laughs> and he goes, man, get the fuck out of here, right? Because I'm still nerdy me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody expects yeah, the guy. They didn't match yeah. the image with that. So yeah. like, he like, nah. I'm like, nah, for real. So I go to this, I go to my book bag, pull out this Spider-Man folder full of rounds, right? And I have him read a couple and he like, Hey, this light way, all right. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I had this hustle um, in the 10th grade where I would type up people's uh, pages and reports and stuff like that or whatever for money so I could buy albums and shit like that. So at that year, Eminem's Encore album was coming out. I didn't have the money to buy it. So I did Dre's uh, class report or whatever, typed it up. And so the exchange was, you know, I do this for you. You cop the M album for me. We call it Square. He comes to the crib to pick up his paper, and he give me a bootleg copy of the M album. Now I wasn't heavy into like bootlegging and shit like that or whatever at the time. <laughs> so I'm looking for the actual physical M album. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like this ain't a part of the deal. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? But I got it anyways. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just happy to have the new M. And basically we ended up playing like halo 2 up at my room and shit i whoop his ass real bad to the point where he don't want to like play no more <laughs> and then um 
somehow he knew it. Like he, we got to the point where like I had these instrumentals on my um, on my Xbox. Cause Xbox had that capability, like the first system to do so at that time. And mm-hmm. my um, and my little brother's father stayed up the street from the house we moved to. So and my my little brother's father was a DJ. So he would have all these CDs that had instrumental versions, and I would just save them to my Xbox. So I had this collection of just crazy ass instrumentals and shit that people just didn't have instrumentals. So Dre see him and be like, "Hey man, let's freestyle real quick," because you know I guess he 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 wanted to see like am I for real about rap or whatever. Want to see if you really got it? Yeah, that's that so, chest, man. Mind you my friends back home had been doing this freestyle shit and I had been terrified of doing it because I feel like they're going to clown so I don't know why I agreed to it <laughs> but I so I'm like yeah <laughs> the pressure the pressure was on man you was... <laughs> so I agreed to it like alright fuck it like, let, let's do it and um we get to freestyling back and forth and he like cut me off like yo I ain't even gonna hold you 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 like rap better than me i'm like man shut up man you ain't got to pump me up man like you know what i'm saying like quit, quit playing like no i'm serious he's like yo i got a rap group you want to be a part of my rap group i'm like well shit i ain't really got that many friends sure let's go do it <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i ended up a part of this rap group that's real I a part of this rap group and reconnecting with a friend of mine from preschool like i didn't even know he rapped <laughs> like i was like why does so <laughs> rap so rap is like Rap is your currency yeah. right now, right? So you spending, right. you you buying your way back into some friendships, getting more right. friends. That's your currency. Right, and it just over time, like I was heralded as the best rapper out of the group. So these dudes are use me as a nuclear deterrent against any problems we had with other rap crews and shit yeah. like, that. like, oh, we got crazy. Like you don't want no problems. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was like really boosting my ego and bravado and things like that because like people yeah. are depending on me now to end everything if it gets that bad and you know in hip-hop history man that's i so dope that you said that because that is one of the ways that real sharp talent gets catapulted mm-hmm. right like you find your way into a group just to try to be one of right. the members but once you get in there you become the best one that being the best one of a group that catapults you way ahead of just being a dope solo dude yeah so that's really dope man so so tell me this man i was listening to your your music and i'm looking at the new album you got coming out animated and um man there's a ton of anime influence (laughs) oh yeah for sure (laughs) it's it's all over the place man it was and you know what I was like, this can't be new because everything I've ever heard about Crazy 8 had anime surrounding right. it, right? There was like, I could even envision anime colors and <laughs> graphics in my head when I would hear your name, right? So tell me this, when did the anime influence come in? Cause you know, I, I do a whole lot of backstory right. of about, you know, the history of Asian martial arts mm-hmm. and, 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 and graphics in American culture and how black, black people especially were the first ones to embrace right. that Asian culture. You know what I'm saying? When them soldiers came home from Korea right. and Nam, they had an attraction to the culture, you know? And even, you know, even going deep as knowing, you know, that when white flight left a lot of them old movie theaters in the cities in the hood mm-hmm. empty, 
you know, those in order to stay open, those theaters would play the cheapest <laughs> flicks right. they could get. And those were usually kung yep. fu flicks straight from, you know, overdubbed as cheaply as possible. <laughs> and that became an integral part of our culture, right. man. From Bruce Lee to Bruce Leroy, all the way up to Voltron right. to the tram to all of that became serious, right. you know. And I think even to tie it even further into your story, another piece which I saw a lot growing up in the 80s, you know, a lot of them GIs that came home, they didn't just sit around. They would open martial yep. arts schools. <laughs> but martial arts was seen as barbaric in most of America. So they had to go teach in the hood to black and brown kids. So you saw a whole bunch of former Marines and whatnot teaching kids martial arts in the hood and it became like a rite of passage it was just one of them things that's so ingrained in black dna man i mean so to me it's a marriage that makes perfect sense of hip-hop and anime but you don't see it a lot (laughs) you know so it kind of surprises me that you don't but you do it so well right it's like seamless integration So, so, so tell me, how did you, how did that start it get, getting, getting introduced to your style and your lifestyle? Well, a lot of, like I said, a lot of my, my hip hop and just, I guess, influence in general is always come back to my grandmother. Um, so my grandmother had me watching the terrible dub kung fu flicks, like, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut, like, I've, I've been, you know what I'm saying, into karate and, and shit like that or whatever. And of course, um, The Last Dragon was a little bit before my time, but I was old enough to have it on VHS dub, right? My mom dubbed it. She mm. dubbed the tape. People don't even, yeah, you, like, you, you can, you know where era I'm from when I say dub the tape. <laughs> Absolutely. You know <laughs> <laughs> so I had, yeah, so mom dubbed the tape for The Last Dragon and that became like, my most coveted VHS of all time. <laughs> like I wanted to be Bruce Leroy. He looked like me and I wanted to kick ass just like him. Um <laughs> I wanted to glow and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Gotta get the glow, man. man. So when I was like eight, like now mind you, eight years old is a is a pivotal year uh in my life because not only did I find Eminem, which would become my greatest hip hop influence as far as wordsmith is concerned, but I I would also discover Dragon Ball Z. And mm. Mm. This, that's also your second grade year, right? Um, eight. Is that between yeah, second that's, and that's third grade? Eight, eight years old. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know. So I'm. I'm like, yo, what is this, and why is it dope? And I've never seen a cartoon do this before. What's happening? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I only seen like like half of an episode two at that time it was airing it on the wb which people don't even know that it had that syndication for a slight bit of time um because people get familiarized through dragon ball z through tsunami from cartoon network so yeah absolutely um, so of course i was a tsunami kid but like being a little younger i seen it on the wb as like a fox kids club thing that will happen some random saturday morning like and it like i never saw it again after that so going to like the fifth grade when I was like I was like ten in the fifth grade. So it got to the point where it was so popular in school that like you would rush home to go watch Toonami. Like it's like, Ma, I do my homework 
after this episode. <laughs> like it's it's crucial. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So tsunami started introducing me to a lot of um, anime and things like that or whatever. So to fast forward to that, like anime had, all, had always been around even before I knew it was called anime. Um, like you know, like Thundercats yes. and shit like that. Like you like stuff people don't tell you yep. are anime. Um, like you said, Voltron. A lot of people like a lot of stuff. So um as I started getting into my career here as an MC, um, I tried I guess I tried my hand at trying to be from the streets, quote unquote, because that's what was around me and my influence. Nobody was doing anything different. So I knew I had to be as authentic as possible because I couldn't say I was on the corner slanging no packs. I couldn't say I was out shooting people. I couldn't say a lot of things like that, but I could tell the stories from the shit that I've been around in our neighborhood. So I tried to do it. I tried to do it Nas style. Um, mm, yeah. And it still didn't feel authentic enough. And then like I got this, 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 the way with words and my aggression when it comes to certain things and people always trying to compare me to M and things like that early on um, that I still couldn't really find, you know what I'm saying, find my, my, my goal. So as we go on, I get known for like everybody, you know, want to go to the, the, the hip hop shows and the showcases and stuff. Everybody want to come dripped out and whatever the latest trend was. And I would be there with a superhero graphic tee from Walmart and some rock jams. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I would have a, a superhero shirt for every occasion, every time. So then, like, it started catching on. People calling me T-shirt king because my collection was so crazy. Um, yeah. And then, I guess I get the inkling to where it's like, I can incorporate that into raps, though, right? I could probably make that cool. So I would do that a little bit more each time. Each year it would be a little bit more. Um, and then I ended up with my first record deal um, when I was 19. I got signed to a local label, um, Visible Lyrics. And uh, they kind of let me do more uh, do more in that realm to where it's like alright embrace being a nerd okay you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying so mm-hmm. then I like in 2011 I end up creating the most popular lane brand which is the smiley face logo that everybody sees um, mm. that concept of being popular and lame at the same time pretty fit my life so um, <laughs> I came up with the logo uh, <laughs> when Blackberry was hot <laughs> so I had a Blackberry and it was these two little emojis one was a cool face with sunglasses one was a nerdy face and I was like you know what that is so me <laughs> so <laughs> so I ended up putting both I merged both smiley faces together and the most popular lane became this mantra because yes I was a lame in school but everybody knew me for it by definition that still made me popular you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, I'm the most popular lane. You know what I'm saying? And then I got into hip hop, and I still felt the same way because niggas knew I could rap, but they still wouldn't include me in what they had going on. So, therefore, I'm still a lane, but everybody know I can rap. They're just not really giving me a shot. I'm still the most popular lane. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I could see that you was on that journey to start 
figuring out who you right. really are. You know what I mean? Let, letting their music, and what, like we talked about at the beginning, you said right now you're at a point where the music is right. fun. You know, and I think that's because you really settling into just spitting who you right. are. You know, when you, you go to write something, you go to say, when you saying exactly who you are, it come out yep. different. <laughs> it really do. You know, your conviction, your regret, everything just snap a little different, man. Yeah. So I think that's really dope, man. I want to talk about this album because I know you got the animated album. It's coming out this month, right? This is this is August, Actually, man. It's, it's coming up this coming Saturday. <laughs> this coming Saturday. Listen, I there was a big buildup, man. I got to give you props. You know, me being the hip hop head that I am and being having seen a lot of independent art over the last 20 to 25 years. I respect your hustle. I love the grind. I like your promotion style, the way you marketed it. Um, I think, man. And um, so tell me, you know, give me the elevator pitch, man. Tell me, what is this animated album all about? Okay, man? So I, I finally answered the question of what does my life look and sound like if it were an anime? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, if I had to do, you know, saying the the sixty second pitch, there it is. Like that's the that's the punchline, because everything that I've been doing in my career, my my very last mixtape to now, um, I've been cultivating this story of becoming a hero, and I embody the hero so much because there are so many people like me that need saving, that need a voice, that need. Mm -hmm. Um, representation let's put it that way there are so many people like me that need representation because they don't have the strength the power or the voice to represent themselves yet my goal yeah. is through my music is to be that representation until they feel strong enough to represent themselves and then represent other people like them and keep the, the, the lineage going so I like that so you are that voice that you needed right. when you were younger so, I love that. You know what I'm saying? That's so dope. with this album, I tell my life story in various scenarios. Um, this is a concept album, so you do press play, and you should only have to press play. You shouldn't have to skip shit. Um, so there are eight tracks mm -hmm. on the album, um, and that's all pun intended. Um, so the numerology of everything is animated, spelled with an eight, by Crazy Eight. It's released on the eighth day of the eighth month. That's all meticulous planning because that's how my brain works. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, dig it, man. Now, look, one one of the things I want I gotta get you to do okay. really quick, man. You know, one of the things, one of the segments that I do, uh, some some of my episodes, um, like one uh, a couple of weeks ago, I broke down the full lyrics to uh, Black Star featuring Common Respiration. Uh, I'm real big into breaking down lyrics because I think uh, one of the, the most slept on aspects of hip hop is no matter what subgenre of hip hop <laughs> right. you into, there's some lyrics that can be uncovered that really got a lot of truth and a lot of power oh, yeah, sure. in them, right? So so for the, for you, man, for the, especially for this animated album, give me a bar, man. What's your, what's your favorite bar? What bar jumps out at you? <laughs> And tell me what you meant by it, man. This is this is probably like the toughest question ever. Like the the album is layered in, in, in various ways. There's the surface level, there's the um 
there's the musicality of it but like each since each song is sampled from a particular anime um mm. I parallel my life to the characters in said anime but then I also make it like I said there's a service level to where if you never watched the anime you would get it too um mm-hmm. which I don't even know how I'm doing these like entendre level like song building <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah like my brain is weird that way so like the thing about the album not to be long-winded though is like I didn't do bars in the in my traditional sense like when people hear me freestyle and stuff like that like I didn't do them there's only two songs that's really bar heavy like that um everything mm-hmm. else is literally storytelling layered storytelling is what I'll call it um so to try to choose a bar out of at random um sheesh what was your favorite one like when you were writing or when you went to record you know you know I've been an MC right. for a long time I know sometimes and sometimes it's not even the ones everybody else likes right. the best <laughs> but sometimes you know what I'm saying you always got like that one little piece where it was like man I couldn't wait to spit that one soon as I wrote that I was feeling that because of whatever reason yeah, so you know I guess I mean? off the top of the dome I, I picked uh, a section of um of the, the lead single Ultra Instinct that I think people gloss over a bit um, where the line is dream by any means if you occupy the space picture Martin King and Malcolm in the middle of a spaceship and mm. um, I feel like people gloss over it because of like I said the, it, it's, it's so much to it in that quick of a second it's like you probably wouldn't process it like that but basically dream martin luther king had a dream by any means malcolm (laughs) if you occupy the space so picture martin king and malcolm in the middle of a spaceship spaceships occupy space (laughs) you know what i'm saying spaceship spaceship space but that's also a hidden bar in there from malcolm in the middle the tv show wow (laughs) that's what i'm talking (laughs) about See, now that's exactly why I asked that question. Because for one, I want people to see what it looks like, what high level MC swordsmanship looks like, right? And like you said, so many times, man, especially in today's current, they miss the the, the second, third, fourth, fifth right. entendre <laughs> in there. You know what I'm saying? So I love that, man. That line is dope. And um, it got even doper as you explained it, as it should. And I love that. Thank you, man. Yeah, I feel like like people listen to the song and be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And it's like, damn, I wish you would have got that. (laughs) (laughs) And see, that's exactly why I think we need to start normalizing. Let's break it down a little bit. And let me me show you exactly what I said. (laughs) I think more people, even casual fans, will understand the levels too. Yeah, because I even feel like at some point, um, like the, the genius lyric breakdown videos that they be doing with artists, I feel like they still drop the ball. They do. They're focusing they do. on stuff that really don't need thought when you hear it. It's like, it's so much shit out here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like I've seen so many trap rappers on genius more than actual geniuses of lyricism. Like, I was like, yo. Yeah. Is that just because of the climate or like y'all trying to get y'all stuff popping? But it's like, yo, 
Black Thought still got a whole album out that y'all could be breaking down or you know what I'm saying like it's so much stuff that actually yeah. like Royce's Allegory album probably has so many Man. so many layered Oof. joints to it that it's like yo <laughs> like you know what I'm saying like why is he like not having a full album breakdown for his joints it's like Jen's been letting me down with what they decide needs a breakdown and it's like, like I got a genius, I got exactly. a genius account. You can literally look up the lyrics to Ultra Instinct right now on my genius account. Or if you just go to genius.com and look up Ultra Instinct Goku's Anthem, it's there. And I put the annotations there. I even had some fans chime in and, and add annotations to it. And it was pretty dope. That is fresh, man. Cause I've always loved genius. I was actually mad at genius when they first started doing that because it was an idea that I wish I had thought of. <laughs> and, um, I was always like, man, I could have did that. Why didn't I start that.com? But yeah, I love what they're doing, man. And like you said, they do drop the ball sometimes, but you know, they're an entertainment right. site yeah, at, at this point. point and not really a lyric hip hop site right. anymore. So, you know, it is what it is, man. And that's where we yeah. are, man. And, you know, as a matter of fact, we could probably end on this question, man. What do you think about hip hop overall right now, man? What's your feeling on it? What kind of vibe do you get? I know you're feeling good about where Crazy Eight yeah. is at, as you should. But what about hip hop overall? Um, like I'm happy. Like it's a double-edged sword. Like I'm happy that hip hop is now the leading popular genre, like it should have been, um, in its own right. However, I feel like we sacrificed so many values to get here. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like respect for the craft, respect for your elders. Um, just you know what I'm saying like it became a cash grab than a a craft like you know what I'm saying it's like and I see so many of these like hip-hop aficionados quote-unquote um champion some of these guys who clearly aren't um about what the culture is for and it's like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, and not even to just throw names out there and no shit like that, but I've seen some of these guys on these, you know, these shows like Everyday Struggle and different things like that or whatever. Like, oh, but you know, such and such really can rap and this is his that. He's just doing this because, you know, that's where the fan base is. Like, you're okay with that? Like, what's going on? Like, I feel like that's the problem. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hold us, hold us, hold everybody to the same standard. Rather, they can really rap or they can't. Like, the, the, the goal should always be the culture to a degree of um of that essence should still always be there no matter where hip-hop transcends to those building blocks of you know i'm saying graffiti and dance and, and mc and dj should still be there in some form of fashion yeah i, I think that's a great way to put it man great way to put it well look man Hey, I appreciate you, bro. I couldn't wait to have you on, man. I'm glad we were able to arrange this before your album date so we can get it out there. People can be listening to your life and understand who you are. I think it's, it's, you know, animated album and you presenting your life in that way in these stories. I think it's really cathartic, man. It's really you coming back full circle and, you know, really avenging a lot of that stuff that happened to you in life. And like you said, being that voice for other people that's going through that, man, I think that's dope, man. Cause that's really what life is all about. You know, as an adult, when you grow up and you got a gift, you use it, you know, especially to go back and help people that was like you when you for were sure, talking, yeah, man. man. That's what I'm here for, man. I really like, let's do, let's do a part two of this after the album comes out. Like 
with the way that you do interviews and questions and things, I'd love to break down the music with you in a part two for the fans. Absolutely, you know, man. Let's do it that way. I, I love that, man. Hell let's yeah. do it. All right, man. So let's link, man, and you stay up. And hey, much love and much success to you on the you release. Too. And we will get back together and go over All more, right, man. Cool. Thanks for having me, bro. I appreciate you. All right, you be All easy, right, man. Bro.